crime pop-up, as we are known to do a few a, a time or two on the weekends. Sometimes one of us just likes to jump in here and talk to you about something. So I just want to welcome you. This is a live stream. If you're listening live, you may be listening after the fact, or you may be listening on one of our podcast platforms. I just want to say welcome, welcome in all of those places. If you saw yesterday's pop-up, you know I am traveling. So I am doing this pop-up from my hotel room on my phone, so I might look a little different than the way you normally see me on uh, the show, but I did not want to miss the opportunity to still talk with you and and share uh, a little true crime tidbit with you. So, hello to Moonbeam and Innocuous. You're here in the live chat. Welcome. It's nice to see you here. I want to talk to you today about Beverly Allett. You may or may not know who Beverly Allett is. But Beverly Allett is known as a British serial child killer. She was one of the uh, angel of death nurses. That We've had quite a few of those in the U.S. as well. There was sort of a period of time where they were more common... um, This one happened in the early 90s, which was a time when we had quite a few of those. And I told you um, in our last pop-up, I was going to talk about Kristen Gilbert, but she's had a lot of press. And frankly, I'd like to talk about Beverly Allett because you may not know about her. Very interesting uh, story that she has. She, as a child, was kind of the kid in her family who didn't really stand out. She wasn't that great looking. She wasn't that smart. She she was just sort of average in every way. And growing up, she had a tendency to have a lot of accidents and injuries. She always seemed to have a reason to need to go to the hospital or to get attention for some kind of injury or she broke her arm or she cut herself. Those kinds of things happened a lot. Nobody really put much stock in that until after what happened with her, but it does begin to explain and is a bit of foreshadowing for what happened with Beverly. So Beverly left school at age 16 because she did not, this is in in the UK and so they do school a little bit differently, but she basically didn't score high enough to go on to like a private girls school. So she was a little bit stuck after Uh, public school and wasn't sure what to do, got to be friends with a nurse who encouraged her and loaned her books and, you know, uh, equipment and things so that she could go through nursing school because she thought she might be a good nurse. So after her first two years of school, her very first post or one of her first posts was at Grantham Hospital on Ward 4, which was the children's ward. And shortly after her beginning to work there, some strange things started happening with the children on Ward 4. Uh, One 
little boy, um, Paul Crampton, who was only five months old, he was in the hospital because he had a chest infection. He had several incidences of severe hypoglycemia that almost killed him. Paul was not a diabetic, and it was a real mystery what was going on in this hospital. They were, they, there were some other children who also had similar experiences. There were, in a period of about 60 days, there were about 23 incidences that the hospital could not explain. Medical things that happened with kids, some of whom died, that they couldn't really understand. And it was, it, it, it was all with 13 children. So some of them experienced more than one incident, like uh, Paul Crampton, who fortunately was transferred to another hospital on the third hypoglycemic incident that happened. And Paul lived. He um, recovered fully and, and went on to live. But after all of these incidents for these 13 children, it took... It took the hospital a real significant amount of time to become suspicious that something might be being done to the children on their ward. For a long time, they just assumed that there were just, it was just a bad period or of time for kids, or there was a bug going around that was causing hypoglycemia or whatever. I don't know. It turned out that when they hired Beverly Allett, they were really shorthanded. And so their standards for nurses that they hired were quite low. She didn't have any experience working on a children's ward and they normally would not have hired her. But they needed somebody like yesterday. So they hired her. So the police come in and they start to investigate because there are now four children who have died. Liam Taylor, he was only seven weeks old. And he was admitted for a chest infection, and he uh, died on the 22nd of February in 1991. Timothy Hardwick, he was 11. He had cerebral palsy, and he was admitted to the hospital after having a seizure. And he died mysteriously on the 5th of March, 1991. Becky Phillips, who was only two months old, she came in for gastroenteritis, she was a preemie, and so her parents were kind of nervous for her. And so she had a, a bad stomach bug, and so they hospitalized her just to make sure she would be okay. Uh, she died of an insulin overdose. Imagine that. She was originally thought to have died of crib death, later discovered that it was uh, murder. And then Claire Peck. Claire Peck was 15 months old. She came in um, after an asthma attack. She'd been in the hospital several times with asthma. Uh, she was put on a ventilator for a little while because of her asthma. And shortly after um, Beverly Allett had been caring for her, she went into cardiac arrest. She was resuscitated, but after going into cardiac arrest again, following another period of being alone with Nurse Beverly, she died. So those are the four children that Beverly Allett was charged with their death. She was also charged with attacks on Kaylee Desmond, who was one, Paul Crampton, who was five months, Bradley Gibson, who was five years old, Michael Davidson, who was six at the time, uh, Henry... Uh, 
Yik Hung Chen, and he was two, and Katie Phillips, who was two months old. She was actually Becky Phillips' twin sister. And after Becky died, they didn't know why she died, and so they put her sister in the hospital because they were really worried that whatever was wrong with Becky might also be wrong with Katie. She had to be resuscitated two different times after, um, for unknown reasons, she just stopped breathing. Turned out she had been given insulin and potassium overdoses. And she suffered brain damage, unfortunately. So these are the victims. And this is a case, I guess the reason I wanted to talk about this case is because I've been studying angel of, angel of death nurses and why they do what they do and how we can become more aware of them. She did not ever admit to any of this, um, Beverly did not admit to any of this until after she was convicted. Uh, but she was convicted. She was convicted in 1993 of 13... Let's see. Sorry, I just lost it. She was convicted of... Ele- oh, yes, four counts of murder, 11 counts of attempted murder, and 11 counts of causing grievous bodily harm. She pled not guilty to all of them, but in 1993, May of 1993, she was found guilty on all the charges and sentenced to 13 consecutive terms of life in prison. Now, let me explain something, because this is the UK. It's not the same as... Um, the U.S., which is what I'm used to, what she was actually sentenced to was 30 years in prison. She was only 22 at the time that these that these um, attacks and murders occurred. So strangely, um, she will actually be eligible for release in 2023, which is in two years. Pretty creepy. So there were some other crimes that she committed around the same time that she was never, well, okay, that she was accused of. She was never actually um, uh, convicted of any of them. One was she was uh, working nights at a nursing home, and there was an elderly woman there that had an insulin overdose. And fortunately, she was a diabetic, so they caught it quickly. Uh, if you're a diabetic, I'm I'm an insulin-dependent diabetic. And so if you start having symptoms of a low blood sugar and you're a diabetic, the first thing they do is check your sugar and then they can, you know, it can be solved quickly. And so it's, she, her life was saved, but um, there was a janitorial staff who saw Beverly in the hallway with a syringe at like three o'clock in the morning who testified against her. She still, however, was acquitted of that crime because they couldn't tie her to it directly. When she was released, she, she was released um, pending trial, basically. And so she went to live with a, a nurse friend of hers who lived with her parents. And some terrible things happened while she was there. Um, the nurse's baby brother had a drug overdose. Their dog was poisoned, among other things. And then this, this attack on this woman in the nursing home comes out. So they put her back in jail. Um, thinking that maybe they just need to keep her in jail until her trial because they've got to protect everyone 
from this person. So she was convicted, of course. After the fact, she she did not want to be in prison, you know. She didn't really she treated this whole thing pretty flippantly. And even on the day of going like to trial and, you know, she just didn't seem to, she, she seemed to just love the attention and she didn't really seem to take it terribly seriously. And so once they put her in prison, she refused to eat or drink for a week. So then they moved her from prison to a secure hospital And that's where she's been serving her time. Now, she was not found to be mentally ill, and she was not found to be a risk to herself in assessments prior to going to prison. But again, she's a very good manipulator. So she's managed to serve her sentence in a hospital rather than a prison. After the fact, there's been a lot of assessment of her and actually there's a new documentary a three-part documentary out about her called the Beverly Allet tapes it's very good if you can find it it's kind of hard to find I found it on the internet I was able to watch the first and the third episodes but I couldn't get the second one I don't know why anyway but it's quite good because it's it's the actual tapes of her talking to the police and the police officers who talked to her which was very interesting because she just doesn't come across as somebody who would be who's scared or sorry or anything. It's very strange. But later on down the road, there have been some theories about her that she has something called factitious disorder, which is just a newer term for Munchausen. And they think she may actually have Munchausen sy- syndrome herself, which is her um, causing harm to herself and illness to herself as a child. And apparently also in in college, she did some strange things to herself to get attention. And then Munchausen syndrome by proxy is what she did to the children in the hospital. And often she was the person who discovered them. She was the person who helped them, helped them. She was the person who identified with um, little Paul Crampton that he was, she said to another nurse in the room, he's hypo. And she was meaning hypoglycemic. Not, why would you think a five-month-old child who's not a diabetic would be hypo? But she said that. Uh, It was witnessed, actually, by the child's father. And so it's believed that she may have one of these, you know, these disorders that causes her to cause harm to herself as well as harm to others to get attention. That this is her way of getting attention and feeling better about herself. I don't know. The police detective that um, went with her to her trial said that she didn't hide from the press at all and that she kept sticking her head out of the van and waving and looking at people like she was just eating up the attention. So very interesting and bizarre case. Also one I want to keep an eye on because she could be released in 2023 and what's going to go on with that. So 
I'll be sharing some follow-ups with you on this case, but I, I would love to hear in the uh, comments just anything that you have to say about factitious syndrome um, or factitious disorder or Munchausen syndrome. They're kind of controversial as far as are they legitimate mental illnesses or what are they? But what led this person to do these terrible things? And I mean, we're talking to babies and and small children. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, Moonbeam says, I wonder how the person who recommended that she become a nurse feels now. You know, I thought the same thing when I was, uh, when I saw that, that that's how she became a nurse. I thought, oh man, that person probably feels terrible about that now. Uh, I would as well. I wouldn't want to be the person who got Beverly Allett into nursing by any means. Fortunately, um, her reign of terror was fairly short. She was not, it was only a few months before they figured her out. Uh, but I do find it very strange that 13 life sentences equals 30 years in prison. Especially to someone who's only 22 at the time. Well, 24, I guess, when she was sentenced. But still, I mean, there that is in no way a life sentence. She's going to get out in her 50s. And what does that mean for the world? Because she clearly has no empathy, you know, no thought or care for other humans. So just an interesting case. I thought you might be interested in hearing about... And I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments if you have a chance. And you know it, I am Christy from True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. We will be back with more uh, cases this coming week and our lives and everything that uh, we love doing. So if you want to know more about us, go to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. That is also where you can uh, request and recommend cases to us. So thanks so much for being here with you with me tonight, you guys. Have a great night. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.